The But First Stretch podcast taps into the extraordinary endeavors that ordinary humans are doing daily to better their lives and their community. The goal of these conversations is to lengthen and extend our perspective on fitness, nutrition, holistic health, the mind-body connection, and what motivates us. The final portion of each episode will provide a guided meditation to self-reflect on the theme of the interview. Brought to you by Jennifer McCracken of FitFam Conchi. Hi, I'm Jen McCracken of FitFam Conchi. Welcome back to But First Stretch. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I'm so glad that you're joining me. Our community member of the week on But First Stretch is Kristen Frederick, also known as Get Strong Yogi. If you are not following Kristen on social media, you should be. Her posts are inspiring and practical. She tells and shows you why you should be doing certain movements to get strong and strengthen the body. If you have not been to her functional flow class at Yoga Home or her class at Prime Intensity Training, also known as PIT, you need to check them out. We'll also talk about what the functional flow class is and how it might differ in the yoga setting compared to the group physical training at PIT. She's also launched an online course for you to get strong at home on your own accord. Kristen's expertise is among the best. She has her 500-hour yoga teacher training cert and honestly has been so instrumental to me as I've been developing my own persona as a yoga teacher. She's someone I'm so happy to call a friend. She is someone that you want in your circle of friends because she really cares about the development of women and I'm so grateful for her and so honored to interview her today. I also want to say something on this um, kind of interpart because if you listen to our podcast, um, the episode's going to be like 50 minutes long because we just talked. In fact, we ended it at the end of like the questions, but we talked for another 40 minutes after. I should have just let the conversation keep recording because it was so good. I was so inspired when she left my house. Um, we actually have a lot in common and you'll be able to pick that up in, I think, this episode. Obviously, we're two very different people, um, but we both got our yoga teacher training from Power Yoga Works, which is really cool. And we both started yoga in the Power Yoga setting. And I've mentioned this on episodes of the past because if you basically asked me my favorite style of yoga, it would be power flow. I love the class. I love the structure of it. I think Baron Baptiste's model is amazing. And I also was kind of thinking of this episode and we kind of mentioned how both of us ended up getting extra training from our power teaching. And the power flow has a model. It has a purpose. If you take the class, it's going to benefit you. And I think both Kristen and I wanted to learn a little bit more about anatomy. You know that I'm teaching prenatal, I'm teaching kids. And what's really cool about yoga is that we can always have more teachers because not everyone's doing yoga and we want to get more people involved. And as I've gotten older and kind of away from my college days, I found that there are some really amazing other types of yoga to practice. And you'll kind of see that I mentioned it in my episode with Casey, how I like the restorative yoga. And, you know, when we dive in here, 
Um, the power flow's function is super important for the body. The sequence has a purpose, has a meaning to it. And there are just many people in the world where power flow is not in alignment to their body. And it's important, I think, as a developing teacher, anybody that is in a profession where they want to grow and learn to also explore different kinds. Um, that's not saying if you teach power or you only go to power flow that you need to. But if I'm teaching at a place that offers a lot of different kind of yoga, it's important for me to be able to answer the students' questions by doing continuous training. And I think that's um, kind of where Kristen started to get her development too when she did her 500-hour yoga teacher training, when she started to take additional certifications to get us really into this functional flow that she's going to discuss. So I wanted to put that in there because I love power flow. It's my favorite. But I also have really loved, I guess, my evolution as a yoga teacher over time. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Kristen, again, is such a great friend of mine. She's a mom to an adorable son who has taken some of my yoga classes this year in the little yogi setting. And we've been trying to get the, the boys together because they're similar age. They have really similar personalities. And it's really cute to see them together. So let's stretch our mind, body, and soul. So the first portion of this podcast is the warm-up, introducing our guests. Hi, Kristen. Welcome. Hi, Jen. How are you? Good. So excited to have you on. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Where are you from? How'd you get into yoga and fitness? Um, well, yoga and fitness is really more recent for me. Um, I'm from Eagleville, PA. Um, went to Methacton High School. Which I just learned about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was always athletic, even as a child. Do you remember the Presidential Physical Fitness Awards? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to win those and set the records at the elementary school. Like, I remember I had the record for pull-ups. That was the one I hated. I think I did flex arm <laughs> hang for, like, five minutes. <laughs> um... But honestly, other than that, like I was naturally athletic, but really like in high school and middle school, I played a few sports, but I was like a, your like lazy athlete. Like I just didn't (laughs) truthfully care. I didn't really like get into it more, like really exercising until college. Um, And actually, to be honest with you, like the motivation started out as kind of a bad thing for exercising. Um, like I legitimately had like an exercise eating disorder in, um, college where I would like (laughs) my friends actually, who who I still know now make fun of me sometimes because they're like, uh, talk about how in college, all I had in my fridge was diet Coke, tuna, and green apples. (laughs) I know. It's kind of (laughs) yuck. Yeah, it is kind of yuck now. Now I'm like, how did you even do that? I remember eating protein bars all the time because I felt like they were like quote unquote healthy because they were protein Mm. bars, whatever. But anyway, I used to go to the gym to like work. I used to eat under a thousand calories and then go to the gym and make sure I worked off more than a thousand calories. Um, but anyway, it, uh, graduated into like me going to therapy and like healing from it and exercise really just became more of like my antidepressant anti-anxiety I did it to make myself feel mentally better more than anything else um 
But then I really, I always had like all this tension in my like neck and shoulders all the time. And I finally saw one day power yoga. And I was really into like high intensity, like boot camp type things. And I was, I remember thinking, oh, this might be the yoga that like does it for me. And I went once and I was like hooked. And it was totally like this fast paced yoga, like fast enough where I felt comfortable doing it, but then I still felt relaxed at the end. I still felt like no one was holding me super still and my, so my mind could go crazy. Um, what uh, what studio did you start at? I started at Soul Yoga Studio okay. in Jockin. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I remember seeing it on like More Than The Curve, that website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being like, oh, I'll give this a try. And it was literally within like six months that I was like, I want to be a teacher. Um, it just made such a huge difference in my life. It totally, like I was definitely like a more negative person. Um before yoga but it made me like a naturally more positive person or naturally like more able to let things like roll off my shoulders and not hold on to them for like an entire day or a week or whatever yeah that's awesome yeah and then everything just kind of like naturally grew from there so I'm the type of person that once I get into something I just crave more and more information about it um and my training was at power yoga works in malvern my first power yoga training and that's who i went through oh it is mm-hmm. oh bill? i didn't know that yeah mm-hmm. bill oh my god so you know bill and his bad dad jokes yep yeah yep <laughs> that's a blast from the past right here yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so i did that but you know, like that training had like zero anatomy in it. Right. And that was one of the things I was like really looking forward to learning more about. It was always, I was always good at like the biological sciences. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so after that training, I realized that I could lead people like through a sequence, but I didn't like know a ton about anatomy. And so that just, that led me eventually to yoga works training. And so I went to YogaWorks and I got my 200 hour with them. And theirs is very anatomy based. Like it was interwoven throughout the entire training. And so I ended up going on and doing another 300 hours to get 500 hours with them. Wow. So you have your 500 cert? Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So cool. I, I felt the same way. Like I loved, I love the power flow theme, like sequence, the theme, and it's nothing bad about the power flow, but I do feel I, I miss the anatomy. Like, I actually did a second training, too. Did you? Yeah. Because I was like, I feel confident teaching. I know how to get to the peak of the class and to bring everyone down. I know enough about yoga to get me through. But there were things I was missing, like more, uh, I guess I guess it's just when you become a yogi, you want to learn more, like you said. And I was like, I want to learn more. I was like, this is awesome. I felt good. But yeah, I remember it being like a thing. As soon as people started asking me questions about like where to be in poses, I was like, I don't know. And then mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, I'm feeling all these things happen like muscularly in the poses, but I don't really know what I'm feeling or what's supposed to be happening. So how can I help somebody else do this practice better Mm. without getting more information right you know yeah and I think that's natural like when you're a teacher you're like let's learn more like how can I become a better teacher and help my students 
Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> Fun sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> so you got your yoga certification. You got two of them. And did you start teaching immediately? Like, how did that um, play out? I believe, yes. Like, I finished, because you know, with Power Yoga Works, we were, we did like 60 hours, and then the rest of them were like taking classes. So mm -hmm. I remember I got done really fast because I went to the training twice. Mm -hmm. So I got, because I don't even remember how long we were there. We were there for like at least four hours, but it might have been six. I don't know. But I got done my hours really, really quickly. Um, I also think I was working part-time at the time, so I didn't have a lot of other stuff going on. And so, yeah, I started, like, as soon as I was done the training, I started teaching at Seoul. Cool. Yeah. I think we had, like, a practice, like, free class or, like, community class or something mm -hmm. like that. And I also taught at um, Country Health and Fitness for a little bit. But, like... Oh, my gosh. I taught there, too. Did you? Yeah. That's so funny. That's so funny. I'm, like... A few years behind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting there because I feel like the they had me teach yoga for this other girl who was currently teaching yoga. And then I later found out after I started teaching it that she was teaching an ultra gentle class. So they were like, mm. call, like generally calling like anything yoga, yoga. Mm. And I remember like people saying my class was too hard. And that's actually like when I think that's when I started talking to Soul, and they were like, oh, well, if you they think class is too hard, then you're perfect for here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you've kind of, I guess, switched a little bit from the uh, power uh, element, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So... What call? I mean, what, I guess, like, was it the going to the power yoga works that started... Shifting gears, because you still love power, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, I still love power. I still love... I still like practicing in the heat, just not, like, all the time. Mm -hmm. um, it was... I think what happened really was my practice started to evolve. So mm. I needed the fast pace in the beginning, mm -hmm. mentally. I needed it. I couldn't be... Like, if you asked me to sit and meditate for five minutes I would have wanted to jump out of my skin mm -hmm. like legitimately there was no way I could do it and then you know the practice like did what it does and did the work without me even having to think about it right right and then naturally my practice just started to slow down and I started to move more like be more interested in legitimately moving on my breath you know how we start it in the beginning and they like have you lengthen your breath out long? I remember in the beginning or at some point thinking, wait a second, I'm not really following my breath. I'm just following the instructor's cues. And then I started following my own breath and I would be like a step behind everyone in class. And then as my practice started slowing down, my, teach my teaching started slowing down. And like my interest in anatomy, I think came from too, like holding poses and making small adjustments and being like, what little tiny adjustment makes me feel a little bit stronger or a little bit less uncomfortable in this pose. So my practice started slowing down. My teaching naturally started slowing down and I was more into like 
really refining poses instead of just flowing through it. But I think that was like along the lines of my natural evolution mentally. Like mm. before, I couldn't have done that. I would have really disliked a class like that. And then as I started to like calm down mentally and be less anxious, then I could handle that kind of thing. And then it became more of what I craved. And now that's like my thing, sl really slow, intentional movement. I love that, intentional movement. That's so cool. So what has been the most rewarding part of your job as, we'll say like yoga teacher, but you also do some other things besides yoga, right? I do. I do. So I'm going to answer your question first. Uh, yeah. And then I'm going to tell you. There's two you, questions. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you the other things that I do. So the most rewarding thing about my job, I think, is offering people relief whether it's physical or mental from like pain and discomfort like you know when people get up after class and they let out that like audible like oh and are like i feel so much better mm -hmm. like that's why i teach i mean on top of it i do also love to have people like reach their goals if they have like a specific goal and stuff like that but ultimately the reason i teach is to provide people relief that's amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> um, but the other thing is I do. So um, I did a training and it's, um, it's called functional range conditioning. And it's part of a full system that is called functional range systems. Um, and it's all about a word that is like a new buzzword in like fitness and wellness is called mobility, right? And so what mobility essentially is, is joint specific strength training. So it's about really training your joints. So it often looks at um, the difference between someone's passive range of motion versus active range of motion and looks at closing that gap. So it's something I'm going to give you an example because like, you look like you're like, <laughs> like uh -huh. about uh -huh. a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it would be like me, the difference. So like a passive uh, range of motion is like me using like a yoga strap or my hands to pull my foot closer to me in like a hamstring stretch Okay. versus me legitimately using the muscles in the front of my thigh and the front of my hips to do it. So it often involves a process of holding a passive stretch for say a minute and then um, coming, trying to come out of the stretch. So if I had a strap, I would give you, I would tell you to press your heel into the strap. Like you were trying to activate your hamstring or mm -hmm. trying to bend your knee, right? I would have you hold that for 10 seconds and then after that 10 seconds, for 10 seconds, I would have you pull your foot more towards you and away from the strap using your muscles. And then we would do that like a whole nother round. Because usually then when you actively start to pull towards you, you find a new range. Mm. And then at the new range, then you do that same process. Okay. And then it usually involves at the end like calming yourself, 
and finding doing like the same kind of yoga breathing that we do like lengthened breathing to calm your nervous system down because it's basically about training your nervous system that you're able to engage and practice control and you're safe at that range that's awesome yeah I find it fascinating like the more I learn Mm. about it the more I want to do with it I think it's interesting too because we I've been talking a lot about passive stretching for athletes Mm -hmm. and like the difference in that case dynamic and passive stretching and I love I love that concept of how the passive stretch is still needed oh absolutely to help you activate your muscles and joints right so cool and no matter what like passive stretching alone is still gonna relieve discomfort like it's Mm -hmm. the best thing to like more immediately relieve discomfort if you're in discomfort or pain yeah um so what's the most challenging part of your job Mm, I think dealing with different personalities a little bit because I feel like everybody's motivated by something a little bit different. Mm. But at the same time, dealing with different body types, um, dealing with a ultra flexible person versus an ultra like rigid person is completely different. And also, I feel like they are those two. Those people are also motivated by different things. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like I know this is gonna sound odd. Every time I tell somebody this sounds odd, they say this sounds odd anyway. That I know I seem extroverted, but I'm actually more on the side of being an introvert. So my biggest problem and biggest challenge is finding downtime where I'm not around people, not putting out energy to recharge after I'm done teaching. And as you know, mm. as a mom, that is super mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> but that's actually like, a, I think a big thing in our society is that we assume people who are teachers, we assume people who put themselves out there and like post videos of them doing yoga, that they're extrovert and that's what gives them that power. But it does not mean that. And introverted people do need to spend time just to like shut everything down yeah and we don't I feel like it's definitely a problem too I think in schools and there's a great book on that called quiet and like the power of the introvert Mm. and how like all these amazing people have been introverted people and as a teacher you know you call on the students who are in are extroverted and are fun and like a lot of times the introvert gets like lost in the shuffle even though they could be like the brightest kid or they have a ton to contribute but nobody like reaches out right so I I love that I feel like that actually makes so much sense yeah that makes sense too I never thought about it in the in the situation of like a classroom mm -hmm. or like a school classroom setting yeah because you're gonna call on the first person that raises their hand that's like ooh 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 I know Mm -hmm. no that's never gonna be an introvert right and I think introverts too also feel like teachers or other classmates might not like them and it might not be true at all but because like they're not receiving the same kind of attention right right? which the teacher could also be doing because they're like I don't want to call on that person because I know Mm -hmm. it puts them on the spot it makes them nervous that's not really their thing right so it's like perpetuating the cycle yeah but it is so important I love that you know yourself that's what you need Mm -hmm. and teaching a class can take a lot of energy oh yeah 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 
Yeah. Absolutely. Because I teach Saturday and Sunday, and I always feel like at the end of Sunday, I am like done. <laughs> done. Can you imagine teaching like a 4 p.m. class on a Sunday? Oh, my God. No, I, that's the one day that I'm like, nope, sorry, I can't do it. Morning nope. only. <laughs> not, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, all right, so we're going to dive into the workout portion. And I like how you kind of explained um, your interest in mobility mm-hmm. and how that's played a role in your teaching style. So Kristen offers um, a class at Yoga Home called Functional Flow. And... My question is, how does this class differ from a traditional vinyasa or power flow class? Which you kind of explained a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I don't know if you have more to add to it. Um, well, that class, so it was originally called yoga conditioning. And it was actually created as a class where I could focus on strengthening the areas that we often stretch in yoga. Um like your hamstrings, for example, like you're in a forward fold throughout a sun salutation and then you're doing it over and over again. And which is fine for some people, but it's also the idea that when we know as yoga teachers anyway, that the people who are attracted to yoga generally are people who are already flexible. So then they're going in and like stretching as far as they can over and over again and never doing the opposite and never shortening that muscle. So this class is really an opportunity for me to add those kind of things in. And then I started then after, I think after like a good three months of teaching that class, that's when I did the mobility training. And then the mo- since I was already doing the kind of thing where we were working on strength and everything, it was like, oh, this makes sense. I can add this to the class too. Um, so, but it's just done. It's done in the sequencing style of vinyasa. It just mm. doesn't necessarily have like a clear cut, like this is the warm up, mm-hmm. and this is like the bulk of the class. I would say I more so do like prep work in the beginning depending on what we're doing that day. So I'll give you like an example. For instance, like if we were going to do like I was going to teach somebody how what the muscles they need you to use to do half moon. We might be on our backs doing like engaging our core but then taking our leg like out to the side Mm. into abduction and focusing on keeping our core stable and our opposite hip down so we know where our active abduction is before we then go into half moon so it's kind of like a progression oftentimes towards something specific um but it's also i don't know i'm doing a lot of different things now now i'm like playing with everything mm. i'm at, i used to do like oh we're going to progress to this pose so you have the strength for this pose now it's like it depends on how i'm feeling yeah and it's like so cool when you go to a yoga class constantly and you see like the teacher grow and you know some weeks you're like oh i know that this is going to come next because i've been taking these classes oh yeah yeah but then you're like whoa they're adding on to it. This is so fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Um, what's the biggest misconception people have prior to taking your functional flow class? Um, one, that it's going to be too hard. Mm-hmm. Two, that it's going to lack the spiritual element. Ah. So I think 
number one, people look at me and like I do look athletic and they assume that it's going to be like a boot camp style class. I mean, literally the first time they take it, that's usually what they, they were like, oh, that was so nice. I thought it was going to be boot campy. Okay. Um, Okay. And then I have, and then the lack of the spiritual element on top of it, but I always interweave that into the class. There's always like a deeper theme about it because part of my intention with functional flow is helping people uncover like their blind spots in their body. Mm. Um, so like we do a lot of different things or the same things side to side and then people can notice like major differences basically from side to side in strength and things like that and I feel that ultimately them uncovering those blind spots physically will let them promote them working on the deeper spiritual mental and then encourage them to find their blind spots mentally I love that that's so cool that's so cool um so you also teach a class at Pitt which is prime intensity training um how does like that mobility class look like is it completely different than the functional flow like um we do some of the same things it's just not done in the sequencing style Mm -hmm. of a yoga class so I typically have like a very quick warm up. Like we might do like step out lunges, like 10 on each side just to get our body warm. And then we, so in uh, functional range conditioning, there's something called controlled articulate rotations, which you'll hear people call cars for short. Okay. What that is, is taking your joints through their full range of motion. And Um, So what it requires you essentially to do is to immobilize your entire body except for the joint you want to mobilize. So it usually involves then doing some cars at the beginning of class and then moving into more focused work where we do these things called, they're called pails and rails. And it's, I actually don't remember the actual acronym, but it's like you're, you're activating the progressive tissue and the regressive tissue in a stretch. So it would be like you were, you were holding something and then you'll pretend you're almost like trying to activate the muscles that would take you out of the pose. Just mm-hmm. like I said with the hamstring stretch, mm-hmm. pressing into the strap versus pulling away. It's the same thing. And then, at, so I'd have them do that for like 10 seconds and then say, okay, now activate trying to come further into the stretch but the whole time you're doing it with core stabilization and essentially full body tension so it's about they call it um irradiation and there's something called the law of irradiation which basically means if you tense a muscle and tense the surrounding muscles you're going to get more out of the muscle that you want to activate just by tensing the surrounding muscles Mm. Um, so that looks a little bit more like us holding something and then like getting out of it and then doing it on the other side, coming out of it, moving into something maybe completely different, less of like, Hey, we're going to step through from down dog and go to a lunge versus me just stepping into a lunge. Okay. Okay. So it's a little more of 
like I guess like a fitness style class Mm -hmm. versus yoga style and I like how functional flow could be either yeah that's really neat you can like take it to another space yes that's so cool (laughs) (laughs) um so we definitely talked about how your yoga practice has changed do you have a favorite sequence or muscle group that you like to target? Uh, Does it change? It totally changes. Okay. It absolutely <laughs> changes. I mean, you will never come to a class of mine where we don't do some form of core. Okay. That is almost always where I start. Because for me, in my experience in practicing or really doing any kind of workout, I have trouble feeling my core, so I need to do that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, um, I have a lot of instability and weakness in my hips, so I usually do, like before I do any workout, I usually do some hip activation and core activation because then they're essentially like woken up for the rest of the workout, so I see it the same way even if I were doing like a functional flow class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely have like little mini sequences that I go back to over and over again that work really well. And I love working the glutes. Like I Mm -hmm. love it because I feel like everyone needs it. I feel like we're, I mean, from the physical therapist anyway that I have friends with and I talk to, they're always talking about how weak we are in our outer hips. Um, and then from sitting all the time, usually like the back of your hips are weak as well and they're, we're not great at um, hip extension. So I try to focus on things that are like common weak spots for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then usually what happens is I'll be on something for like a couple weeks and then I'll switch to something else. But one thing kind of flows into the next where for a while I was really on hip strengthening and hip opening but using your strength to open the hips, right? And then I started to do like spinal segmentation, which is essentially like moving your, trying, trying to anyway, mm-hmm. move your spine one vertebrae at a time. And then I realized that I could combine those two mm-hmm. and they work really well together. And it makes sense because essentially your spine, the bottom of your spine is within your hips. So hip health and spinal health can be very connected. So I'm like currently kind of playing with how it goes when I combine different things with an intention behind it. I love that. And for those who've been following this, I'm always talking about, I feel like every episode it's hip strength and hip flexibility. Like, oh, yeah. like tying them together because I was someone who's like, oh, a pigeon would be great. <laughs> yes. This, yes. this pose feels great. I feel the stretch. But when I started adding the strengthening element, it's made a world of difference. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's funny you bring up <laughs> pigeon, too. That's something. So we we do it in functional flow, but we do it set up a little differently than your, like, average pigeon. Uh, it's something called 90-90. So the front chin looks the same, but your back knee is bent. Mm. And so it doesn't require the amount of hip extension in the back leg if you were to like be in an upright position. Mm. And then what I often teach people to do there is I'll have them first do it with um, their hands on blocks or if they can reach the floor, they can yeah. do that. I'll have them fold forward and then press into their hip and knee to help them come back up. So they're activating the muscles that they're stretching, that we're always stretching essentially in yoga. And then I've 
built up to like I've also taught them hip extension and then built up to doing that in like the more traditional half pigeon where you see people like upright with their back mm-hmm. legs straight and do those same things I mean it's really hard but you are like you get sore in these really really focused places you can really tell that it's really focused work that is so I love that I feel like when I feel sore in areas that I want to yes it is so awesome (laughs) that is always what I'm I'm always asking my regulars I'm like okay where were you sore from class yeah yeah because you know everyone can have a different experience like all by as much as our anatomy is very similar it's also very different at the same time Mm -hmm. so I always want to know what people are experiencing because I'm usually teaching from my experience Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I, th- I do think it's interesting, like, seeing it from the teacher perspective when you're walking around, and you're looking at all the different bodies, which are all amazing, and you're like, why are we expecting every single person to be able to do this pose the same? Right. When our bodies are so different, but tapping into the strength part is beautiful. Yeah, I love that. absolutely. I also think, like, in class, using statements, like, if-then statements can be helpful to help different bodies find their where they're supposed to be in a pose or movement. Like for example, I would put someone into down dog and have them keep their knees bent, like coming from all fours and say, only straighten your legs as much as you can keep the length in your tailbone. Mm-hmm. And using statements like that instead of hard, fast, like pressure thighs back. Yeah. Or you're welcome to take a bend in your knees, right? Yes, right. <laughs> That's also right. like making people feel bad that they have to. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what suggestions do you have for people first starting out in yoga? Um, I would suggest signing up with a friend for mm-hmm. moral support. I would also suggest... Figuring out a way to be okay with being a beginner for a while. Mm. Because everyone comes in right away and they're like, I just, I don't know what I'm doing. And I totally get that feeling. But I also know from experience, that's how everyone feels in the beginning. And that's always what I tell them. I'm like, just be okay with not knowing what you're doing and keep coming. And keep practicing. And you'll see... After a while, you'll start to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember my first yoga class, and it was a power class. And I thought she was joking when she said, flip your dog. Oh, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> you're like, what? I was like, are you kidding? And then people yeah. were like, flipping. And I was like, oh, this is real. Yeah. It's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I, like, I, I do wish I could go back to, like, I don't know, was it 12 years or 10 years ago? And just, like be in that mindset again like it's so cool and oh, so I funny know, and I know. I yeah know. and uh I also feel like that's one of the big ones where people are like what it's also a really hard one to actually break down yes. step by step and tell somebody actually how to do it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I was like oh yeah oh that's what they're also like no my body's not gonna do that <laughs> yeah it's definitely not gonna do that I like that and I think I think today there's so many classes like geared towards beginners 
And I know that I still like to take beginner's yoga classes. Oh, absolutely. Like, as an advanced yoga student. Right. Well, that's why I love Yoga Home. Because they have a style for everyone. So before I used it, like, I just, I was at, like, a straight power studio. And they had beginner's classes, Mm -hmm. right? But a beginner's power yoga class is still power yoga, Mm -hmm. right? So you're still doing down dog pretty quickly, you're, you're still like getting into a flow very quickly where someone who maybe like can only step halfway forward is like, wait, like you're out of this pose and I haven't even stepped my foot forward yet, mm-hmm. you know? So I also feel like that could be, that's also partially helpful in the like finding a new student, find the right class for the level that you are mm-hmm. too. Because then it's not so defeating when you go to a power yoga class, but you belong in a beginner's class. You're Mm -hmm. like, everything is at the beginner's level, the beginner's pace, and then you naturally can build up to, Mm -hmm. you know, following your evolution and going towards power yoga when you're ready for power yoga. Yeah, and that's also why I think, like, the, if you have, like, a $5 community class nearby, like, those are great because it gets you into it relatively cheaply and you can I don't know you can kind of play with what you need yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. um so let's talk more about your online program that you just launched get strong (laughs) yogi um what is it and why is it why the online method um well I had always wanted to do something online because and you know people move away and stuff like that and or I have friends that don't live around here or people that just generally want to take my classes that don't that aren't in the location to do so mm-hmm. um so that's definitely why the online but it was always what held me back was well not enough people know me nobody's gonna sign up for it why would I create do all this work creating something online that like I'm not known enough to do right so really that was like Mora mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah um, she that's her yeah that she was gets her in there <laughs> encouraging me um because really get strong yogi is an extension of functional flow right mm-hmm. so we're doing the same kinds of things it's just I don't remember I think it's like about eight classes and they're all broken down by um groups of muscles so there's two different, like it starts with core and there's core, but it's core front body. So it's more like your psoas, your rectus abdominis, like your, you know, six pack muscles. Um, and then it goes into like uh, core, but side body. So like your obliques, your QL and things like that. And they're all 30 minute practices for people that just want, that barely have time to even get to a studio, barely have an hour in a day to do something, but to do something so that they can feel like they got a mindful movement in that Mm -hmm. day. Um, But it was also with the intention of, at the same time, doing the same kind of work and helping people find their blind spots physically, again, so that translates to the mental. So it includes like an intention setting meditation Mm. at the beginning um and an intent it includes also like a restorative practice for the days where you're like i can't do this today um so yeah i think yeah that's awesome yeah and i do it's interesting because i'm a studio person like i 
don't really like to do stuff at home online. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I have kids, if my husband's working right. out and they're sleeping, I'm like, get me that Namastream. Right. I <laughs> like, I have right. 45 minutes. I'm going to do a yoga class. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or, like, and it's always a, a random time when, like, a yoga class, like, wouldn't exist. Exactly. You it's know? hard mm-hmm. when you teach classes because mm-hmm. you're often teaching at the times of the classes yes. you can make. Yeah. Right. You're like, where's that 2 p.m. class? Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I have actually, I, you know how I said earlier, like, uh, we, this was before we were doing the podcast, mm-hmm. but I said, like, sometimes I just need someone to tell me what mm-hmm. to do. I have used the program for that reason. <laughs> like, it's me telling me what to do, but at least I don't have to think about what's coming next, you know? And I like how, I like this, the layout of your class. And this is something that I know you did probably about a year ago. You focus on different muscle groups. Mm-hmm. And I love that you can do that online because sometimes it takes me time. I'm, like, scrolling through. I'm like, ooh yoga for hips ooh, this kind of yeah, yoga but yeah. it's nice you have like a set program and I'm like oh well I did core yesterday I'd love to you know work on legs and uh, yeah so I think that's a great layout I also love that you could like say take two of them like one is like the glutes and you could combine core and glutes and make an hour workout mm. if you had the time we also ended up eventually adding like a general sun salutation warm-up mm. for the people who just wanted more of a general warm-up i do love the... those sun salutations i know they're very meditative yeah. there's just something about them mm-hmm. you know <laughs> you just like don't have to think about it and you can just do yeah so you can get into that like flow brain state mm-hmm. where you're in like completely in the moment i know? love that yeah so if you need that get strong yogi is the program I, I highly suggest it um you also work one-on-one with people so for some people this actually might be a really great way first of all to get started into yoga um and also if they like what they're hearing they can reach out to you but why might people do private lessons like what's the the draw to that so i personally think that the biggest draw is that it's tailored specifically to you and what's happening in your body. So it, I can provide you real-time feedback in the moment. So I can watch what's happening. I can, in turn, ask you, how does this feel as mm-hmm. I'm telling you what to do? And it is honestly better one private session. Can You can learn more than you could in like 10 yoga classes. Because even... You can use, like in a group class, you can use if-then statements to get somebody where they need to be or more likely to be where they need Mm -hmm. to be, even if, you know, the room is the super flexible yogi or the super tight person, right? Mm -hmm. So you can use those kind of statements, but it also depends on where people are with, like, their awareness level because awareness is something that slowly builds, right? So they might need more specific feedback in a certain position or a certain area of their body that I might not have the time to give them in a, um, in a group class. Um, yeah. And also like, what is the drawback of like literally being able to work on what you want to work on in that moment right now? Like we could start doing hips and you could be like, not going to work for today and we could switch to core, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I also, I'm a big proponent of, when I give a gift, I like to buy experiences or oh, yeah. things like that. So I do think if you're looking for someone who's looking into, um, you know, improving 
their flexibility, their body, whatever it might be. I, I do think a one-on-one is a great gift. Uh, like, I think that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, Sean, are you and- listening? <laughs> <laughs> and I do think it is great for a beginner who's never done yoga just to get out the like beginner anxiety uh, so of like, nerve-wracking what's gonna happen I don't know what class is gonna be like because then you can even I can even guide you to based on what the experience was what is the appropriate class for you right you know and that's so important because I think I think it is overwhelming when there's like there's restorative there's yin there's basics there's functional flow there's slow flow like oh, yeah, there's yeah. so many titles and it is so nice to maybe do that introduction class Absolutely. Like one-on-one. Yeah. That's actually a lot of the, so now some of the people that are at Pitt are asking me about yoga and I get a lot of questions like, what is the difference between gentle, restorative, and yin? Yeah, that's a, oh, and gentle. Yeah. 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 I know. It's like, it's so interesting. Um, And this is like something that is, I think, kind of personal. It's like next question. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) No, it's a good question. Um, You're really committed to social justice. Mm. And tell us about this. What led you to this and how does it relate to your teaching? Um, And I'm interested on like a selfish level, like where does social justice fall in my role too? So I'm mm -hmm. I'm so excited to hear what you're going to say. I think I... So I, I do think this actually stems from me being a very black and white thinker before and always wanting people to do the right thing, right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm still, I'm not, I don't think as black and white and I'm much better about like seeing all the gray and talking in all the gray areas now because life really happens in the gray areas, mm-hmm. right? But I will say that I have a tendency to just naturally want to stick up for people who do not have a voice or are unable to use their voice. And so I think like social justice is a natural avenue from that. I also think that it goes, it's the same thing as what I was talking about with the blind spots. Like it's, if we're not, if we're going a little deeper than just plain old social, like general social mm-hmm. justice, we can go towards racism, white supremacy, right? I believe that white supremacy and racism is probably one of the biggest blind spots mm. for well, white people. Yeah, you know. Oh man, that's and that ties into what you're doing in your classes, looking for the blind spot in muscles, right? Right. In the right. body. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, what advice would you give someone who wants to learn more about maybe social justice in a way? And, like, your example is, like, specifically with racism and white supremacy. Like, where where can people who are interested in this maybe find a community, find a connection? Um... Well, we, so you can go to Skill in Action, right? Michelle Cassandra Johnson has a bunch of online programs that you can really do from anywhere. Um, There's also a lot of books. So right now, there is a movie out called Just Mercy. And there is a book by the same name by Brian Stevenson. That could be a good place to start because it shows you 
the experiences of people of color, especially in um, the justice system and how they are treated differently. Um, and also, and like, I, I like the aspect that there's currently now a movie for those of us who aren't like super into reading. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but also even, there's a lot of books out there. Um, I would look into what is what white fragility white mm-hmm. fragility yep. mm-hmm. is like the major book that I would look into because that's really about how us as white people when we hear people talk about racism and somebody being ultra racist we always assume oh no it's that white person over there not me mm-hmm. we assume that it's the people who are being overtly racist and obviously racist and not racist on the more subtle levels. And it's really about working on your own internal racism because Mm. essentially we all have to, as white people, admit that we're racist because we were raised in a system that teaches us to be racist. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think that it's really nice, and I'm seeing it across the board, across the nation, Mm -hmm. communities. I I don't know. It's hard to dive into your own issues like that. And I love that. I love that people are doing it. I love that people are addressing it. Like, it. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging how you were brought up as a nation, right? Like, it's not just like in a household, right? Right. I also think it's... As a collective group. <laughs> ...helpful to understand that it's normal for you to feel like I'm not racist and be ultra offended right off the bat that mm-hmm. somebody might suggest that you were because you, you might not be overtly racist and you just might not be aware of the ways that you are internally, per, you know... Um, perpetuating the system Mm -hmm. of racism Mm -hmm. so I feel like we also have to be a little like bit compassionate to ourselves and they so there's um people in this work they talk about call in culture versus call out culture versus how we need to if we want to work on racism as a group we need to stop the call out culture where we always just poke at people and point out the racism Mm. versus saying, hey, you're racist, so am I. Let's come do this work together. Mm. Yeah, it's always easier to point the finger, right? Oh, well, yeah. Like, oh, well, that person said that. I can't believe it. Right. But, mm, interesting. Mm. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um. So I am going to wrap up with our three questions we ask every episode. Um, what stretches are you doing in your own life? Um, well, I'm using like your version of not typical stretch, right? Yes. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be running or fitness this related. Is, right. Yes. This stretch is mind, stretch body, soul. <laughs> this is a stretch for me. So I love slow, intentional movement. It's really hard for me to move fast. So my stretch is going to pick classes and being forced to made to be moved fast okay right yeah because if i always want to move slow then i should probably be moving fast sometimes right (laughs) 
Yeah, I like that. Oh, it's like that yin yang. You need both. Um, what is something you're enjoying doing in your life for you? Um, I really enjoy driving in silence. Mm-hmm. Or really doing anything in a little bit. And I don't mean meditating. I mean legitimately just having it be silent and doing whatever task I need to do right then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you experience the same thing but sometimes like there's like you know a lot of toddler stuff coming at me (laughs) or the shows on and music and kid sounds and all that and then I'm at like yoga we're playing music people are talking to me afterwards I go to pit the music's super loud which is great for an intense workout but then I need like Uh uh-huh the silence I actually didn't know that about my personality until this year, but I love music. I love listening to things when I like do stuff around the house, but I also will come home and music will be blasting, toys will be everywhere, and I'm like, oh man, This this is a lot of simulation for me. I didn't know that was how I feel. I have to like jump into it sometimes. Other times I'm like, all right, let's turn this loud music off (laughs) i need a second sorry everyone else yeah that makes me feel better you're like that because i actually feel like i see you as like super peppy and like upbeat all the time so i would have thought you'd have been like totally fine with that sometimes but other times i'm like oh my gosh like why is this music and it might not even be loud like i might even be (laughs) over exaggerating this story completely but yeah we all need a little bit of like disconnect in like every way possible (laughs) um what is something besides obviously functional flow and mobility um you can't stop talking about and this can be not even athletic related um Look, I have nothing to say. This is like a first. <laughs> um, what can I stop talking about? Right now, it's like mobility, 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 social justice, social justice, yeah. social yeah. justice. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, what else do you do? Um, I really like the show You. I've heard good things about the show. It's kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. Actually, I really, there was a few shows I really like on Netflix right now. What Mind are... Hunter was the first one I got super into. That was about, like, developing the profiling for, like, serial killers. Oh, so fa- that's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, anything that's about, like, the brain of criminals and stuff like that, all about that kind of stuff. So cool. Because I'm like, why are they different than us? Yeah. What makes them different than us? Yeah. Are they different than us? Mm-hmm. How different are they? Mm-hmm. Or are we like one step away from, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, where can we find you on social media? Um, so on Instagram, I'm kfredyoga. Uh, on social media, Kristen Lee Frederick or kfredyoga. Cool. Also kfredyoga.com. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to go to a, like a web page. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on our show today. You're welcome. It was so much fun. <laughs> Have a great day, everyone. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kristen. I know I did. And make sure you give out her functional fitness classes a try, whether it's at 
prime intensity training or yoga home in Conshohocken. I wish we could have put the rest of our conversation on record because honestly, it was still so amazing. We talked about um, how the misconception for me with functional flow class was that I would be really sore after taking the class. I know she mentioned in the podcast that it might be too hard for people, but my fear is if I am doing a long run or a workout and I take the functional flow class, it would make me more sore. But we really discussed the kind of need for maybe having active stretching days on our days off, which I thought was a really cool concept. And I highly do suggest functional flow for people who are athletes in order to help build the strength up in their muscles. So it was a really awesome kind of continuation of the question that I asked her. And the other big conversation we got into was about the social justice piece. Obviously, she's so passionate about it, and I think it's important to bring up issues to the community that's going on that we're facing in the United States. It is that stretch of the mind that is so important And I really liked what Kristen had to say. And I think it's important, too, that we don't jump to the conclusions. Like, I like how she even said, like, sometimes we get defensive and we're like, I'm not like that. But it's it's okay to understand who we are and what our history is. And we're even talking about a book that I had to read when I was becoming a history teacher. So at the University of Pittsburgh, it was part of our curriculum. I read The Lies My Teacher Told Me. And it's basically um, this book on different ways that history is presented to kids in America and how it's portraying or how like we've been taught one thing, but behind the scenes there's a lot more going on. Um, like the chapters that stuck out to me in particular were the ones about Christopher Columbus. Kristen and I talked about the Woodrow Wilson chapter, um, which is severely important. We look at this man being the champion of self-determination, letting countries choose what kind of government they want. You know, he signed the women's suffrage so women could vote um, into law And if you look at him as a character, he did a lot of negative things in terms of um, setting us backwards when a lot of jobs in the government were given to African Americans. He removed their posts. He also personally didn't believe that women should be voting. So it was like a good conversation to have because there's that concept of being in the gray and not everything is is black and white. There is constantly that um, in between. So I wish I could have recorded the conversation. It was just so good. And I, we do need to bring the, these issues to the forefront. And there's my uh, history teacher inside of me. So because Chris and I had such a great conversation, um, instead of doing a prolonged meditation, I'm going to lead you into one of my favorite um, breath techniques or breathing techniques. It's alternate nostril breathing and it'll just be a few minutes and the reason I love alternate nostril breathing is because it just helps ease the mind and body. I know if you're having like a frazzled day or you're you're exhausted, you need a little bit of energy or your thoughts are scattered, this is a really good practice to restore us to 
the balance needed in our lives. Um, so some things about this one is that it does improve um, and focus the mind. It supports balance in the left and right hemispheres of the brain. It settles stress, like I mentioned. And it starts to rejuvenate the nervous system. So we're going to start this alternate nostril breathing practice in a comfortable seat. So make sure your spine is straight. Your heart is open. And you can bring your left hand onto your lap and bring your right hand in front of your face. With your right hand, bring your index finger and middle finger to rest between your eyebrows. Maybe like lightly above onto the forehead, using them just as an anchor. Close your eyes and take a deep breath in and a deep breath out through your nose. Close your right nostril with your right thumb. Inhale through the left nostril and gently close the left nostril with the ring finger so both nostrils are closed for a pause and exhale out the right side, releasing the thumb. Inhale through the right nostril. Close off the nose. Exhale, left side. Inhale, left side. Exhale, close the left nostril. Exhale out the right. Inhale on the right side. On the exhale, release the ring finger. Exhale through the left. Inhale, left side. Exhale, right side. Breath in, right side. Close, exhale, left. Inhale, left side. Close, exhale, right side. Do this a few more times, allowing your own breath to lead you through the practice. Allowing your mind to follow you through the inhales and through the exhales.
and taking one more round. When you're completely finished, release the right hand down to meet the left and gently open the eyes. So a few tips if this is something that you would like to do um, to start your day, when you're in the car, anytime you're stressed out, try to match the length of your inhales and your exhales. You can even count if that makes you feel better, like breathing in for five, pausing, exhaling for five. You can even pause for five seconds on the top if that feels good for you. But really only you know, two to three minutes is needed before you start to feel even more calm. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of But First Stretch. I'm so glad that you joined me today. And again, please share this episode with any of your friends if you think they would be interested. And be sure to subscribe or like on iTunes or Spotify. And if there's anything that you would like to hear me discuss, please send me a message. You can follow me at Jennifer McCracken at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, as well as FitFamConchi. Have a wonderful day.